0: Hello listener, welcome to the Gaslight Collective. I am the Collector, and this is my collection of audio delights. Every story is disturbing, dark, or simply compelling. Ah, it's all about choice, isn't it? And you've chosen well. You can always trust Victoria to pick a good story when you ride her lift. Now, sit back, dim the lights, and let's begin. We will make
1: you believe.
2: Society 13 Podcast Network Redefining Podcasts Society-13.com Do you like to listen?
3: Now available from K.B. Goddard, the author of the Lift episode The Lost Library and the Wicked Library episodes The Darkness Within and Shadows, comes her debut novella, The Girl with the Roses At the haunted auctions of Thornhill and Swift, where artefacts of the ghostly and the macabre are bought and sold, we learn of the statue entitled The Girl with the Roses. Charlotte Salt has always dreamt of marrying for love, but when she receives a proposal, she realises that romance isn't always the deciding factor in the Victorian marriage market. Married to the eligible but secretive George Avery, she finds herself cut off from her family and friends when her husband takes her to live in his isolated Derbyshire home. Trapped in a loveless marriage, she finds her thoughts turning towards her brother's newly returned friend, the handsome Charles Jameson. In failing health and increasingly troubled by strange sights and sounds, she cannot help recalling Jameson's mysterious warning, Be on your guard. What danger did he foresee? As dark forces surround her, she contemplates the fate of her predecessor. What happened to the first Mrs. Avery? In a summer of storms, can anyone save her from the shadows? The Girl with the Roses is now available for pre-order on Amazon and Kobo.
0: Hello. This is Daniel Foytek, and welcome to season two, episode number 13 of The Lift. Before we get started today, a quick thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Your support helps keep the show coming. A lot of time and love goes into making this show, and truly, your support does let us know you appreciate the effort. Without your support, it would be extremely difficult for us to keep making the show. We really do count on you. For a full list of all the supporters, stay tuned at the end of the show or visit victoriaslift.com forward slash support. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Victoriaslift. If you support the show, we have fun rewards like bookmarks, a special Patreon version of the show with an exclusive Patreon feed, and higher levels get rewards like personal messages from Victoria, portraits of themselves with Victoria, and more. The more generous you are, the more generous the rewards are. And it goes without saying, almost, almost, that we certainly appreciate your support of those who contribute to the show. The authors, artists, composers, everybody that makes the show happen has other work out there for the most part. And if you check out our website at victoriaslift.com and go to the About section, you'll find sections for everybody that makes the show happen. And of course, in each episode, there are links to the folks who contributed to the show. We do hope you'll support them if you enjoy their work. Now, today's episode is written by John Grills. John Grills has become a good friend and he's just been a great support, a big fan of the show. It's my great pleasure to have him write an episode for the show. And he's also the creator of two podcasts that are fantastic. Creepy, which is his newest show, and also Small Town Horror, which is an audio drama in the truest sense of the word. It is Ryan Jennings walking around with a recorder and recording things that happened to him in his small town when he comes back to deal with his father's estate. And all these strange things from his past come back. It's it's a great series, a lot of fun and uh, really creepy. John knows I'm a big fan of his work. He's also an author, obviously, with stories set in that same universe. So if you're a fan of this show, if you're a fan of the Wicked Library, John has been on the Wicked Library for us as well. He's coming up as a narrator uh, in an upcoming episode. Uh, I can't say enough about how how much I appreciate John and his work and what he has done to help put the show on the map. So if you're listening to the show, it's in no small part due to the efforts of today's author, John Grills. Now, John and Ryan Jennings from Small Town Horror I have kind of an interesting relationship and uh, things aren't really the best right now uh, with everything that's going on. If you are following small town horror, if not, listen to the show and you'll find out why we had to kind of uh, distance John a little bit so that um, he doesn't get in any legal troubles.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, John Grills. Hi, this is John Grills the creator of small-town horror and creepy, as well as the story you're about to hear entitled Scars. I apologize for the strange audio, but given the current investigations that Ryan Jennings has found himself in the middle of, my lawyers have advised me that I distance myself as much as possible, just until things get cleared up. Sorry about that. As far as this story is concerned, Scars is the culmination of over 15 years of experience in the world of combat sports. I've trained, instructed, competed, and covered combat sports for a long time, and I found myself involved in the lives of many fighters during that time. This story is an amalgamation of several personalities I've come to know, and it's a very personal subject for me. I hope you enjoy it. If you enjoy this story, you can find more episodes of The Lift at victoriaslift.com, and you can find out more about my writing and my projects at Small Town Horror Podcast .com. Thanks.
1: Let's go for a ride. My name's Victoria. I have lost so much. My name is Victoria. I am bound to this place, charged with guiding those who must choose. Don't be afraid. I can never again be the little girl I was. Will you accept your fate or change it? I have my housing box. And a library lost. But I sometimes feel very alone. Won't you join me? It's time for your ride on the lift.
0: brakes of the 1996 Chevy Beretta squealed to a stop. They hadn't started to grind yet, so it was one less thing to worry about. Kurt has talked the fight promoter into a $1,000 advance against his ticket sales. Tickets he had no intention of selling anyway. But that wasn't his problem. Any fight promoter who still expected him to hump out there trying to sell tickets deserved to lose money. His name was the name people came to see, not some chump from Kansas City who still trained in his garage and couldn't throw a jab to save his life. They were all a bunch of lazy never-will-be's who had dreams of making money in the big show. Most promoters had never fought a day in their lives, but thought it was okay to tell a fighter how to live. Fuck them. That thousand dollars was money due him just for agreeing to the fight. He had more fights on his record than the rest of the car had put together. His name still held weight. Kurt the Conqueror Roth. It was a name people still talked about. His fights were still fawned over on internet forums. He was a legend. The door of the car creaked open only slightly louder than the crackling in his knee. Three reconstructive surgeries. He looked in the rear view before getting out. The roadmap of scars on his forehead. That big one from the headbutt he ate at that podunk show he fought on that Indian res. Back in 2001. The good old days. Before the term mixed martial arts really caught on. Back when the masses still called it cage fighting or no holds barred. Back in those last days when it still was no holds barred. A twinge of heat flared up in his lower back as Kurt got out of the car. Sitting too long always aggravated it, ever since getting dumped on his neck from that nasty belly to belly in 2007. That one was still a part of highlight reels. He'd taken a fall that would have killed most people, and still came back to get the knockout. Legend. Legend. Kurt grabbed his gear out of the back seat. The usual stuff he kept in an old army duffel he got from a surplus store a couple of years back. It was too big for carry-on, but these were the days when fewer and fewer promoters were paying for his plane tickets anyway. At best, he got gas money on top of his show wind purse. He walked into the lobby of the dump motel the promoter put him up at, cursing the man. And recalling the days when he got the four-star treatment over in Japan, where they knew how to treat fighters right. For a second, he thought he was back in Japan. Sometimes his mind wandered. Sometimes it was hard to concentrate, and if he got lost in a memory, it felt so real. Because the lobby of that motel, it wasn't right. No motel lobby looked like that. It was too big. Too old. Not like 1970s old. Older. Much older. No one was at the desk. No bored teenager or depressed middle-aged employee questioning their choices in life. Pitting themselves for not being something more. Kurt stood there. Confused. He didn't walk to the desk. It didn't feel like he was supposed to. It wasn't as if he knew where his room was. He just didn't know what to do, where to go. The ding of the elevator and the slow creak open snapped him to attention. He anticipated at least seeing a maid, someone who could tell him where to go. But no, inside was just a little girl.
1: Do you know where you're going?"
0: The girl asked in a funny little accent. No, Kurt said, the word just sort of falling past his lips.
1: Neither do I. (laughs) It's very exciting.
0: Kurt grabbed his bag, not realizing it had slipped from his grip. His hands. How many bones had he broken over the years? Even if he tried, there was no way he would remember. The pinky finger on his right hand still hung on at a weird angle from where he broke it against the cage floor. In where was it? He couldn't remember. It happened sometimes. Well over a hundred fights. More wins than losses, but those losses. Parts of his life were gone forever. Blank pages he'd never get back. Stories people would tell him that he couldn't remember doing. It didn't matter. Who needed to remember when the rest of the world did? Kurt got into the elevator and the doors clanged behind him. What floor? The girl asked. How should I know?
1: I wasn't talking to you.
0: Kurt looked up at the dial indicating the floor, but it must have been broken. The hand kept moving from number to number, but the lift never budged.
1: That's strange,
0: the girl said, looking up at the dial.
1: You are an interesting one.
0: Finally, the dial stopped at nine, and the elevator jarred to life. Kurt kept his eyes forward, trying not to look at the creepy little girl standing next to him.
1: That's not very nice,
0: the girl said.
1: If you're going to call me anything, you may call me by my name. It's Victoria. Victoria Bigglesworth Hayes.
0: Didn't your father tell you not to talk to strangers? Kurt said, still avoiding her eyes.
1: My father told me lots of things. He loved me dearly.
0: The words cut into Kurt.
1: That's what fathers are supposed to do.
0: Kurt said nothing. He hated kids. Hated parents who brought kids to shows, then expected him to act like some kind of hero or role model. Fuck that. They wanted a picture... They paid like everyone else. Oh, yes, Victoria said. they paid, like Tina. Kurt's head snapped to the side at the mention of the name. But before he could say anything, the elevator slammed to a stop hard enough for him to lose his footing, and he fell against the wall. As he regained himself, he saw the door was open and the girl was gone. What was her name? Hey. Hey. What the fuck did you say to me? Kurt yelled into the empty hall. He stood there in the silence and emptiness and stared. Where was he supposed to go? He couldn't remember. Had he ever known? He took a step toward the elevator door, but froze as something filled the air. A smell. Lavender. Tina. No. The sound of a child crying. So faint. And... Someone else crying. Someone... Older. Kurt retreated until his back rested against the elevator wall. It... Wasn't right. He was just confused. Sometimes he got confused when he wasn't paying attention. Sometimes... It made him mad. The elevator doors slammed shut again and the dial began to turn, this time going down to floor four. Kurt hadn't moved. His spine still pressed against the wood paneling as the doors opened. Again, it was just an empty hall, but it wasn't. There was another smell in the air, something foul but familiar, the smell of sweat. That smell of bodies in a closed space. The air grew thick with humidity. A sound repeated in the distance. A sort of dull, rapid-fire thud. A speed bag. Again, Kurt didn't move. His eyes were on the hallway, but everything else ripped his mind back to the gym. You think I'm ready, coach? A voice echoed. It was a young voice, immature, a young fighter. What was his name? Tom, the little girl said, once again by his side. Kurt jumped to the side at the sound of her voice.
1: His name is Tom. It's been a while since you've said it, hasn't it? When was it?
0: In court, Kurt said slowly, as if the words cut him on the way out of his mouth. He tried to sound stronger, but failed when I took him to court over his contract.
1: Such an interesting agreement. You were his coach, and his manager, and the promoter of the event, weren't you?
0: Kurt didn't answer. There was a time, about a decade prior, when he organized local fights. He spent all his time at the gym anyway. He was practically giving away training to the new guys who came through the door thinking they were going to be the next big thing. Most of them were bums, chumps who couldn't even pay gym dues. So, he took them under his wing, got them to sign a contract giving him a percentage of their fight purse. It wasn't his fault they didn't have the sense to get a separate manager. They were willing to pay the added rate. It was just a percentage to them anyway. They didn't understand that sort of thing, didn't understand taxes. That didn't mean they didn't have to pay him what they owed him.
1: Do you recall the defense he tried to use? Even prior to going to court? Something about medical bills?
0: Kurt shook the words away. They were inside his head. But they weren't. He got headaches sometimes. Lots of the guys from back in the day did. It came part and parcel with the cauliflower ear and busted up knuckles. He was just tired and hungry. Cutting weight was getting harder and harder, and being so dehydrated wasn't good for him. That's what it had to be. Even though he was eight pounds over the agreed weight, he'd get the guy to agree to a catch weight. Young guys just wanted to fight.
1: Tom doesn't speak with much of anyone anymore.
0: The girl's voice trailed off, and Kurt was alone in the elevator once again. The elevator began to creep up, the dial stopping at five. Somewhere deep inside Kurt, the strange mixture of fear and sorrow faded away. Instead, the anger built within him. Uh-uh. This is not the place for that. The girl's voice said from somewhere. He looked up to see one of those old box intercoms in the upper corner of the elevator. She was messing with him. Someone was messing with him, and they were going to pay for it. A distant voice called from down the hallway. Lighten up. It was just a joke. A familiar voice, but a voice that couldn't be. It didn't make any sense because it was his voice. Kurt finally walked out of the elevator in a sort of daze, his bag dragging on the floor behind him like a kindergartner being forced to go to school as he looked from door to door. Those words. Those words he knew. Who had said that? Had Mikey recorded it or Phil or Jay? Was one of them on the card and he didn't realize it? No. I couldn't be. They didn't fight anymore. Where were they anyway? It had been years since he'd seen them. Years since. Wasn't a fucking joke to me. Jay? No, Jay's voice said. Go ahead, seriously. Explain to me how this is a joke. Kurt stopped and looked to his left. The voices came from behind the door. Without realizing it, he let the bag fall from his hand once again as he reached up to turn the handle. At the same time, the door eased open to reveal the motel room. But not the room. A house. His house. Or what used to be his house. The one he shared with Mikey, Phil, and Jay up until almost seven years ago when... Come on, man, Kurt's voice said. I didn't think they'd go for it. On one side of the door, Kurt stood in the hallway of the motel. The motel with an elevator. But he was standing on the other side too, inside of his old house. He stood at one side of the living room, a shitty grin on his face. Kurt, in the hallway, scowled at the look and it made his skin crawl with embarrassment that he would ever have given anyone that look. Mikey and Phil stood in the middle of the room, acting like bouncers keeping Jay a safe distance away. Jay's shirt was off, muscles rippling as he paced back and forth. Jay was big, even for a middleweight. Always had been. Cutting weight was a problem most of the time, and he wasn't the sort of guy to get on the bad side of. Not that any of them were. Kurt knew everything he was about to see and wished he could remember how to move. His head hurt. Spit flew from Jay's mouth as he yelled. Oh, so you calling up the promoter and offering to take the fight for half as much was a joke? Were you laughing when you did or something? Because it didn't sound like a fucking joke when I got called up and told the fight was off. You cost me 50 grand plus sponsors, you fucking piece of shit. I needed that money. Kurt watched himself roll his eyes. He felt his lip curl into a sneer and his right eye twitch as he looked at himself, trying to act as if he hadn't just stabbed one of his best friends in the back. In the end, Kurt fought, and Jay didn't. It was just business. It was the first fight in five years Jay hadn't been in his corner for. When Kurt got back from Japan, Jay was gone. They were only slated to be on the same card one time after that, but Jay called off his fight. Within a few months, Mikey and Phil had moved out too. It was Kurt's name on the lease, and he was on the line for more money than he was making anymore. It was an easy payment when he could get fights in Japan on the reg, but those days were gone. Working some low-rent shows across the Midwest barely kept him fed in training. And there weren't too many gyms sold on the idea of having him around as a coach. Not after people started spreading those rumors about how things went down with Tom online. About the lawsuits. And some other stuff. The door closed on the scene without Kurt moving. And he stood just inches away, motionless.
1: Is this the life of a pugilist?
0: The girl asked. Kurt turned his head down the hall, looking back toward the elevator. What? He asked slowly, his mind stuck in a dream.
1: That's what it's called, isn't it? Pugilism. That's what father called it. He was a learned man, but he enjoyed it. He called it a gentleman's sport. An agreement between men. He used to say a man should act like a proper man. Bloody fists or not, A gentleman with dignity.
0: Your daddy don't know shit, kid, Kurt managed as he stepped out from his personal fog. What? He fought for some Ami Silver Gloves tournament when he was a kid and suddenly thought he was a fighter? You know how many losers I've met like your old man? He doesn't have any idea what it's like to be me.
1: I think he would be rather proud of that fact.
0: Yeah? But what's your mother say, Kurt said with a smirk. The little girl made no response. Her mouth curved downward in the smallest sort of disappointed frown, and she shook her head deliberately. Save the pity, Kurt said. Just help me find my room.
1: You don't have a room. What? You don't have a room, if you don't want one.
0: The fuck is that supposed to mean?
1: You're not very good at talking to children, are you?
0: Why should I be, Kurt asked. Somewhere in the distance, he heard the crying again. One young, one older. I don't know what the hell you got going on here, but just show me to my <laughs> damn room, or- Oh, what? what? He had no idea what he would have said next. There was nothing to back up his words. He wasn't going to do anything to a little girl. He might do something to whoever ran the damn motel. Or whatever jackass let his kid wander around talking to strangers.
1: Have you already forgotten? What? You aren't imagining these things. You are being given a choice. It's a very generous choice.
0: Forgotten what? What was he supposed to remember? Kurt closed his eyes and rubbed the back of his neck. The headaches were coming back again. He needed to drink some water and take a nap before going to weigh-ins. He didn't need whatever head trip the kid was offering fucking kid was probably trying to play one of those hidden camera pranks on him, trying to get him riled up like some asshole internet trolls. Maybe it was all a setup. Get him to get mad and grab her arm or something. Get her to scream that he'd assaulted her and try to cash in on his name. The little girl smiled.
1: You're giving yourself too much credit. What exactly do you even have left?
0: Kirk stared at her. Had she really just said that? Or had he imagined it? He rubbed at the back of his neck again and felt a sudden hot streak of pain burn across his skin. Kurt pulled his hand away and saw something was in it. A key. A key with a green fob on the end of it and the number 101 etched into it. He just raked it across the back of his neck. What's this? Kurt asked, barely realizing he'd said the question out loud.
1: It's your choice,
0: the girl said.
1: You can go to your room, down to the first floor where, let's face it, you belong, or...
0: Or, he asked.
1: Or you can leave.
0: Leave? Kurt balked at the comment. He'd backed out of fights in the past, it wasn't anything foreign to him, but there was no reason for him not to get paid. He needed to get paid. This is my job, he said.
1: You can get another job. A different job.
0: This is what I do, kid. I've still got another run in me. I just need to rest. The girl looked at him, but didn't say anything. Her face was completely without emotion. But for some reason, Kurt couldn't help but feel a strange sort of pain in his gut. Meanwhile, the girl just stood there, staring at him until Kurt found himself picking up his bag and walking back to the elevator. The doors were still open, and without him pressing any buttons, the elevator went down to the first floor. The room was more like what he expected. Small bathroom, queen bed, old tube TV. The strange thing was that when he looked out the window, it looked like he was on the ground floor nothing about the room felt like it was even in the same building as the hallway and elevator. Kurt lay on the bed and closed his eyes. Almost immediately, his eyes snapped open. His heart pounded. Sweat dripped down his forehead. His mind raced with panic. It was going to be late for weigh-ins. He tried to get up, but his body wouldn't respond. Desperately, he looked around the room. A different room. It was white. A clean and... It was a hospital room. Kurt screamed absent-mindedly for help. A nurse and doctor rushed into the room putting their hands on him. Trying to calm him. But the panic wouldn't go away. Their words were jumbled and he couldn't make out sentences. The doctor's lips moved. But the words were broken. The words came at him from a hundred miles away. Softer than an echo. He closed his eyes again. When he awoke again, he wasn't in bed anymore. He was in a chair. No, a wheelchair. He was seated toward a large bay window looking out onto a little pond. A duck swam in the pond, followed by ducklings. It made Kurt smile. A small strand of drool ran from the corner of his mouth and pulled on his leg, dotting the white pair of pajamas he wore. Kurt looked at his hands. But they weren't his hands. They were old with bulging veins, wrinkles, white hair, spots, and a scar. Scar from where he closed his eyes again. One last time. A big thank you to all of you for listening to the show, to all of you who take the time to rate and review the show in iTunes and Stitcher and every place else, and to all of our Patreon supporters. Without your generous contributions, it would be nearly impossible to put this show together. Full show notes with credits, links, and artwork can be found at victoriaslift.com. We make other podcasts you might enjoy. Check out thewickedlibrary.com, and also ninthstory.com for links to other shows if you're on social media you can check us out on Facebook and also on Twitter and if you'd like to make sure you don't miss future episodes of the show you can find us on iTunes Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play lots of places today's episode was brought to you by Aaron McCormick, Aaron Mosher Aaron Vleck, Alyssa G Angela Mabry Ariel Teague, Ben Apperson, Brad Erickson Brandon Jant. Brian Wainwright, Byron Veerling, Charlotte, Cyrus Locke, Donna Seeley, Emily Sherman, Ethan Woodman, Frank McIsaac, Hannah Woodford, History Goes Bump, Jake and Sam LeBah of the Just a Story podcast, Jennifer Clickenbeard, Jennifer Troxel, Jenny Sweeney, Jillian, John Grills of the Small Town Horror and Creepy podcast. Josh Wood, Julie Collins, Kelly Perkins, Laura Lupinetti, Lise Russell, Melinda Dupie, Michael Velez, Patricia Harris, Paul Sading of Too Many Podcasts to Name, Poo Lee, Robert Light, Scott Jepson, Scott Roche, Shelley Perrin, Sophia Rivera, The Mad Catter of The Mad Catter Presents Twisted Tea Time and the Osnarkies. Thank you all. You are the cool kids.